Welcome to Open Your Eyes, a podcast about opening your eyes to a new view of life. Thanks for joining us today. Well, here we are facing a new year in 2022. I love new years and fresh starts. It's a gift to get a new day and a new year when we can leave the past behind and reimagine ourselves and life a little bit better. And I hope that it will be an amazing year for you and for all of us. The world is filled with such possibilities, and we are so blessed. You know, our perspective directs our actions. And my hope is that after listening to this podcast, you have a new perspective of yourself, the possibilities in life, and how you can find your way forward in life. Sometimes it helps to zoom out and view things from a broader or different view. So today, as you listen, I hope you get a better view of your place in the world and how you can live to your potential and create a vision for your life. As always, if you like these podcasts, share them. And it helps if you subscribe to this podcast so you automatically get the next podcast as it's released each week. Let's get started. Today, I'd like to share some proven strategies for life. Several years ago, scientists at the Biological Cybernetics Institute conducted a revelatory study. Published in the journal Current Biology, they examined whether we, as human beings, have the ability to travel in a straight line. In their first study, they examined the trajectories of people who walked for several hours in the Sahara Desert, and the second in the Beinwald Forest in Germany. The scientists outfitted the participants with GPS systems, instructed them to walk in a straight line, and mapped their travel. What they soon learned was that most people, absent clear landmarks, don't walk in a straight line. In fact, they walk in circles. One scientist theorized this is because typically one leg is stronger than the other, causing us to unconsciously travel in circles. But as it turns out, the participant's circles were rarely in a systematic direction. Often the same person veered to the left and then would veer to the right. And what they soon learned is that walking in circles is a result of increasing uncertainty about where straight ahead is. Small random errors in various sensory signals that provide information about walking direction add up over time making what a person perceives to be straight ahead not so straight after all. You see, they would travel in one direction, then think they needed to make a course correction only to travel in another wrong direction. They misread cues and landmarks and were consistently unsure as to their direction. You see, people need to use reliable cues for walking direction in their environment. For example, a tower or mountain in the distance or a position of the sun. And without those cues or a knowledge of how to use those cues, we fail to travel where we want to go. I think we are a bit the same. Often in life, it feels like we're in the desert or dense forest of life's overgrowth. Job, kids, bills, needs, and a host of other objects sometimes block our view of where we need to go. So if you're trying to set another year's resolutions or goals without a clear understanding of where you're headed, or at least using a plan, a strategic plan, to set some markers of progress along the way, you will likely travel in circles. Having an end destination in mind with clear markers along the way 
makes all the difference in getting where we want to go. So in our last podcast, we talked about how to find the right strategy for your life. And few people ever write down a strategy for their life. It's rarely done, and it makes all the difference. And by so doing, you will stand apart and set yourself apart to reach your goals. So if you tuned into the last podcast, you learned how to first establish your life's aspirations, then do an internal and external analysis. All of this helped reveal hidden gems and strategies that you can follow to reach your goals. Today, I'd like to share some proven strategies that you can consider in your strategy for life. And these strategies work. And with them, let's discuss tools, ideas, and suggestions for making your strategy exceptional. In 1967, Herb Kelleher was an attorney having dinner in a San Antonio restaurant with one of his clients, Roland King. King had recently graduated from Harvard Business School and he'd bought a local air charter company. Together, they began to think about and brainstorm the possibility of creating a low-cost airline to fly between the major cities in Texas. And the more they talked, the more excited they became. Soon, they incorporated a company called Air Southwest Company. Their strategy was to undercut the prices of other airlines by flying only within Texas, avoiding costly regulations, and convincing people who were driving to start flying. You see, up until that point, most people in Texas only had two choices for travel, fly expensively or drive. But what Kelleher and King wanted to figure out is how they could provide flights for the cost of driving. So they went to work. First, they eliminated connecting baggage check because customers were only flying from one city to the next. And they didn't provide connecting flights, so they didn't need to use expensive reservation systems or flight systems that other airlines like American Airlines used. They eliminated food, reserved seating, and other frills, mostly because they didn't have a computer system to accommodate reserved seating. Also, Southwest flew into small local airports, making business commuting more convenient. The company's first planes were Boeing 737s because they were available at a discount because of overproduction. And as the company grew, they only bought 737s because they learned that maintaining only one type of aircraft was cheaper, mechanics only needed to be trained on one aircraft, parts inventory was much lower, and maintenance was easier. And in the end, Southwest started to take market share from other airlines. And because of the choices made to fly point-to-point, avoid baggage and reservation system costs, fly one type of aircraft and other strategies, Southwest has become one of the largest and most profitable major airlines in the industry. What Southwest discovered was they didn't have to do what other airlines did. In fact, to disrupt the industry, they had to do things differently and think creatively about how to enter the marketplace. And it all started with seeing their customers as those driving rather than those flying other airlines. Now, the principles here apply to your strategy for life. Will you do the things the way they've always been done? Or will you use an innovative strategy for success? Innovative strategies are game-changing strategies. Netflix changed the game on Blockbuster. First, and how they sent DVDs through the mail rather than requiring storefronts. And then they pivoted 
to lead the way in streaming entertainment. Today, Netflix has 214 million global paying subscribers, compared to Amazon Prime, who's second with 175 million, and Disney, which is third with 118 million. So the rewards of innovative strategies have been huge for Southwest and Netflix and other companies. In developing your strategy for life, what innovative strategies can you employ? For example, let's say you want to get an education, but you work full-time and can't do the traditional college schedule. We'll try Western Governors University. When you sign up for a class, you can take online classes on your schedule because they are recorded. You have full access to a professor to answer questions, and if you pass the test, you pass the class. So you can take the test the day you start the class, and if you pass, you earn the credits. Their philosophy is, if you know the material, why sit through a bunch of boring lectures? Let's say your aspiration is to become a great people person. What innovative strategy could you employ? Let's say for the next three months, when you enter a room, pick out the person you want to talk to the least. Then walk over and start a conversation. The theory? If you can successfully learn to talk to dozens of people you normally wouldn't approach, you can approach anyone. So where do innovative strategies come from? Questioning, observing, networking, and experimenting. Just the other day, a donor had purchased a Spend the Day with the CEO prize at one of our annual auctions. So he came to spend the day with me while I worked. When he got there... I asked him what he did for a living, and he told me he was a lead IT developer for Amazon AWS. And I said, sit down and teach me everything you learn from Amazon about leading a team. Well, he was a bit surprised, but he stood at the whiteboard and started to teach me. He introduced me to their leadership principles. He told me how they recruit people using a four-stage interview process. And I was taking notes like crazy. But I walked away with two big ideas for how to innovate at my organization. So where do innovative strategies come from? They come from you constantly questioning, observing, networking, and experimenting. Now, one innovative strategy is called Blue Ocean Strategy. In 2004, two professors published their research about Blue Ocean Strategies. Blue Ocean differs from Red Ocean. Red ocean is red because the sharks are in the water killing the fish. And the reason there's so many fish is because they're all competing for the food in that location. And the same goes in the marketplace. Competitors are all gathered in the same space trying to take market share from each other. But blue ocean is different. It's called blue ocean because these are unexplored areas. The professor's research showed how blue ocean companies didn't accept traditional boundaries and created new demand in areas never thought of before. In the ever-competitive soft drink industry, Red Bull created Blue Ocean. Another example, for years, Ringling Brothers Circus and others had the model of traveling from city to city. And the reason is that if the circus stayed in one city, the circus couldn't sustain year-round ticket sales. Then along came Cirque du Soleil and changed the boundaries. They ventured into Blue Ocean. They combined elements of a circus with street performers and a Broadway show. And they located themselves in cities that had a huge amount of tourism. The shows are so original, 
There's nothing like them and there's no competition. So in your strategy for life, you can do the same. What blue ocean is there for you in your life? For you, blue ocean is something you've never done before, something unique. I went back to school at age 44 and got a PhD. That's blue ocean. I have a work colleague who learned to speak Mandarin Chinese. That's blue ocean. Let's say you've been building a business for years, but you've never used social media advertising to create new leads. That's blue ocean. So what blue ocean is waiting for you in your life? What about reading the Bible for the first time? What about learning how to use Photoshop to help your business? Blue ocean is not blue because it's new or different alone. It also drives your life's aspiration at the same time. So just try something outside your comfort zone. It'll energize you. It'll bring new people and circumstances into your life. And who knows if that blue ocean strategy isn't exactly what you need in your life right now. Years ago, Phil was a track athlete at the University of Oregon, and he noticed the demand for track athletes to buy Asics shoes and apparel. Asics was a Japanese brand that was becoming popular. So he and his track coach, Bill Bowerman, started a company called Blue Ribbon Sports. Five or six years into their business, the relationship between them and Asics started to deteriorate. So they started their own brand of track shoes. Bowerman created a waffle-like texture for the bottom of the shoe that improved traction while keeping the shoes extremely light. They hired a graphic design student to make a logo design for the company. The logo? A swoosh. And it was then that Phil Knight changed the name of his company to Nike after the Greek goddess of victory. Then Phil talked University of Oregon athlete Steve Prefontaine into wearing the shoes. And Steve started to win and became a huge track star. And sales of Nike track shoes increased. And Phil, noticing the impact of putting shoes on star athletes, signed contracts with Carl Lewis. Then as they branched into tennis shoes, Phil signed John McEnroe. And the Nike strategy for success had begun. But the company still struggled against the giants of the day, Adidas, Converse, and Reebok. Then Knight took a bet on a young basketball player named Michael Jordan and signed a long-term strategic alliance. The Air Jordan brand took off, and the rest is history. Today, Nike signs major college sports teams, coaches, athletes, and has extended their signing of athletes to unprecedented levels. It is their strategy for success. Successful strategies often involve strategic alliances, and the same goes for you and your strategy for life. What strategic alliances can you form to give you a boost in reaching your life's aspirations? For example, when Disney wanted to enter Japan, they were unable to find the land in Tokyo given the high prices and complex way of doing business. They didn't understand the culture or how to work with the local unions. So they signed a strategic alliance with Oriental Land Company, and the project got done. In working towards your aspirations, where can you leverage the help of those who know the ropes or can bring added skills or perspective to what you do? Let's say you need to develop your online social media marketing skills. Hire a local firm to do social media advertising for a few months so you can learn what they do, or 
hire a social media expert to teach you, or ask your kids. Do whatever you have to do, but don't let your lack of skills or tools or courage keep you from your aspirations. Like Phil Knight, your hire might just give you a swoosh-like logo that will change the face of your business. Want to become a real people person? Well, create a strategic alliance with someone who is. Ask them to spend time with you a few times a month sharing what they know. Most people are anxious to share. Now, many strategic alliances are joint ventures in which each party has some level of ownership in what's happening. So if you're setting goals in 2022 to reach your life's aspirations, enlist someone else who has a similar goal to join you. Enlist your spouse, your friend, or even someone you just met. Wanting to lose weight? Form a joint venture with someone who's doing the same thing. You get the picture. Strategic alliances work. So whatever your goal is this year, identify who you can invite to join you and help you win. And in choosing your alliances, reach up. As the saying goes, if you hang out with chickens, you're going to cluck. If you hang out with eagles, you're going to fly. If I were to ask you to tell me what's unique about a Costco store, what would you tell me? Well, you'd likely say they have a membership fee to enter. They do. You pay them $140 a year for the privilege of shopping at their store. And it might surprise you to know that their prices, while a little better, aren't always better than what you can find elsewhere. Yet you pay them to let you shop at their store. Why? Because when you pay a fee, psychologically, you think you're getting something that other people can't get. Now, have you ever noticed that there are no aisleway signs at a Costco store? They don't direct you or tell you where things are. Why? Well, they want you to walk through all the aisles. That way, you'll likely see more bargains along the way and fill up your cart even more. And speaking of carts, have you noticed they only offer those great, big, huge shopping carts? Why is that? Well, they know if you have an empty cart, your psyche will want to fill it up. Where's the milk located at Costco? In the back of the store. Why? So you'll walk the entire distance of the store to get the basics of what you need. What's located in the front of the store? Aha! Jewelry, TVs, and other high-priced items. Why are these items in the front? Well, come on. You tell me that when you've walked into a Costco, you haven't had the impression to get a new TV? Well, of course you have. They're priming you to spend. But you say to yourself, well, I can't afford a new TV. But for a minute, your heart rate increases at the excitement of it. Now you're primed to spend. And when you see less expensive things further into the store, comparatively, they are more affordable and you tend to buy more of those items. Did you know that one-third of the SKUs for sale in Costco are items that will not be restocked once they sell out? Why? Because they want you to have a huge garage sale mentality, running from aisle to aisle to add things to your cart before they run out of stock. And why are the items you buy so big? I mean, who needs 96 ounces of ketchup? Or who needs three sticks of deodorant shrink-wrapped together? Again, because the size is so big, you naturally assume you're getting a good deal. And how would you know? Well, you don't. Costco only sells sizes that are different from what you find in the grocery store, so you can't easily compare. What's the best-selling item in Costco? 
toilet paper. Costco spends huge amounts of time making their toilet paper the very best in the industry, the highest quality. Why? Because if your toilet paper doesn't tear and it feels soft, it's something you have to have again and again, and you'll return to the store, letting your backside influence your shopping habits. And I could go on, but here's the point. Everything in Costco is done on purpose. They don't have shelves to stock product. For the most part, they just roll out pallets filled with the product. Why? They want to create a warehouse mentality. Everything is on purpose. All arrows point in the same strategic direction. The smell of roasted chicken causes Costco to be the largest seller of chickens in the country. Everything is done on purpose. They think through everything. They have a strategy for almost everything. Here's my point. In your strategy for life, are you doing things on purpose? Let's say one of your aspirations in life is to be smarter, to learn all you can. And in 2022, your goal is to read a new type of book, not a novel, each week. A good goal. And your strategy is to read for 30 minutes each morning. Well, do all arrows point in the same direction of your strategy? Is your alarm set? Do you have a well-lit, comfortable place to sit and read? Do you have paper and pen or an iPad to record your notes as you learn? Do you reward yourself when you're done? And so forth and so forth. You must do things on purpose. If you have a goal to exercise and get stronger, get a gym membership, get out of the house, make it a habit, go with a friend, work out at the same time each day, write down your workout results, take a before and after picture, all arrows in the same direction and on purpose. Can't you see that the reason so few of us ever reach our goals is we don't fully align our thoughts, behaviors, and actions on purpose to reach those goals. We don't do things on purpose. Activity or goals without purpose is simply a drain on your energy in life. Now, a good strategy done on purpose will change everything. Have an on-purpose strategy. If I were to ask you to describe the typical Harley-Davidson customer, how would you describe them? White, older, Men who are going through a midlife crisis or fit a more rough, open road, wear leather and denim, sporting a tattoo and ponytail kind of guy? You see, in the early days, Harley-Davidson captured market share in the heavy motorcycle category with a clear strategy to win. They made large custom bikes in which the customer could choose the seat, engine, shape, and look of the bike. And this was a dramatic shift from Honda who made cookie-cutter bikes with little variation. Additionally, Harley drove the huge biker club mentality and sponsored Sturgis and other biker rallies, fully embracing the rebel and open-road Americana image that is now closely associated with the Harley-Davidson brand. And this strategy of pursuing a segment of the market rather than the market as a whole worked exceptionally well for Harley-Davidson. But then the market started to change. More and more of the population started moving to urban environments. And if you've ever ridden a big motorcycle in the city, it's tough to stop and start and balance the bike on city streets. They just don't work very well. Heavy bikes are made for the open road. Additionally, 
Harley wanted to attract other market populations who now had the money to spend on a Harley. Women, Hispanics, African Americans, and younger people would make amazing segments to convert to driving a Harley. So Harley designed a smaller 5750 bike that would be more easily driven on city streets. Then they launched their marketing campaign. The campaign abandoned the rebel mantra that made Harley Harley. It was more mainstream and suburban, and after two years of struggling, Harley abandoned that campaign and hired a new agency. The new campaign returned to the rough sounds of Harley bikes, showing drivers wearing leather and tattoos, but these drivers were going to the local bar on smaller street bikes. What Harley-Davidson learned was you can't abandon who you are. And this is a lesson that Coca-Cola, Delta Airlines, Levi's, and other companies have learned the hard way. The same goes for you. God endowed you with certain talents. Why? I don't know. But my theory is that he wants us to learn to help each other. And by giving us different talents, we're left to rely on one another. Regardless, you have certain talents that you were given and you have developed over time. In your strategy for life, one of your jobs is to think about how to leverage those talents. And we sometimes fall into a routine with our talents, doing the same thing day after day and year after year, and the boredom wears on. And when that happens, sometimes we believe that to be happy, we need to jump ship or go to greener pastures or step into a new scene. And sometimes we do. But in creating your strategy for doing what you're meant to do on this earth, like Harley-Davidson, you can bring your sound, strength, attitude, and talent to a new segment of the market without leaving your business or talent altogether. So magnify your talents. Now, as a young man, I was a graduate student at the Marriott School of Business, and it was a definitional time of my life. I was learning at a pace that I'd never learned before and associating with amazing men and women. My professors included some of the great scholars in business and leaders who would go on to do amazing things. I remember telling my wife that it seemed every day I was exposed to fascinating concepts and I barely had time to write them down, let alone think about them and internalize what I was being taught in my various graduate courses. One of my organizational behavior classes was taught in part by Stephen Covey. It was one year before Dr. Covey would publish his famous book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and that book would go on to sell over 30 million copies. At the time, in his lectures to us, it seemed that his mind was deep into the principles taught in that book, and we were lucky enough to be the beneficiaries of his thinking. He spent one class period talking about the evolution of the principles he taught. In so doing, he told us about a pivotal time in his life. Years earlier, Dr. Covey took a year-long sabbatical and moved to Hawaii. He said the year-long sabbatical afforded him the opportunity to spend hours and days and weeks alone with his wife, and they would walk and talk. He said they talked in deeper ways than they had ever done as a couple, and that sometimes they'd have to stop because their discussion became too tender. From these discussions, he learned the power of truly seeking to understand another person. He said, in those discussions, he learned more about himself and life than any other time in his life. He said it was the most difficult, 
yet rewarding experience of his life. As he said these things that struck me as strange at the time, that given his vast experience, the interaction with a single person was the most rewarding experience of his life. I didn't understand it then, but I do today. I feel that way about my own wife. Now, in your aspirations in life, the dimension of really giving yourself to a person, to understand and serve them, can open your eyes to more than you might otherwise think. So in your strategy for life, think about how you might connect and learn from the people closest to you. Now, the next experience Dr. Covey shared was this. He said, one of the principal reasons we have a hard time understanding others is because we lack understanding of ourselves. And if we're confused about ourselves, the lens we look through then inevitably will also be cloudy about others. In other words, until you have a mature and correct self-understanding, you will always see others through a warped view. He shared an experience about a woman who said that for years she fought with her children and they fought with each other. And she knew something needed to be done because she was constantly nagging and hurting their self-esteem and the spirit in their home. She would resolve to change and then fall back to her old habits and then repeat the same process over and over again. She said, I hated myself and I saw my own weaknesses in my children's behavior. I felt guilty and I took out my self-anger on them and I could never break free of the cycle. With help, she started to understand more about herself and what caused her cycles of behavior and short-sighted thinking. And after gaining these insights about herself, she learned to retire frequently to herself to work on her battles privately and get her motives straight. And when faced with a frustrating situation with her kids, she learned to back away until she had control. Then Dr. Covey said this, we must win the private victory before we can win the public victory. And it occurred to me then, and it occurs to me now, that each year we go about setting resolutions to change behavior without really getting to know ourselves. And as a result, we end up changing very little. Perhaps one strategy that could be employed is to get to know yourself. Be willing to win the private victory. Journaling, counseling, feedback from a trusted partner, all can help us understand better who we are and how we view life. As we come to an end today, remember, most of all, just get started on your strategy for life. Remember, once you've defined your life's aspirations, completed an internal SWOT analysis and external analysis, consider some of the strategies we discussed today. And like Southwest, consider what innovative strategies you can employ to step into blue ocean and do things you might not otherwise think possible. It will require that you jump out of your comfort zone. Like Nike, you may need alliances to help you build yourself and your brand. Nike would not be Nike without Michael Jordan. So look to who can help you. And like Costco, do everything on purpose. Be diligent and deliberate. It will change you and cause you to make more progress on your goals. Even those goals you've attempted over and over again without success. Do everything everything on purpose. And like Harley Davidson, remember who you are and the talents you bring. 
These are all essential pieces of your strategy for life. And I'm certain that if you will design a strategy, you will stop walking in circles. You'll find your way, a straight way, to who you should become. And when you do, New Year's goals, like those that you're making right now for 2022, will be aligned with your life's aspirations and part of an integrated strategy for success. Thanks for being here today. And don't forget to join us next week for another podcast as we learn to open our eyes to who and what we can become.